do have a choice. We can choose to be more than this. We can be slaves. Or we can be lighters. I was making notes during this movie, my phone autocorrected Victor to Victorino. And I don't know what that means, like, in the macro, but I would, I want to watch Victorino instead of Victor. Oh, you know what? <laughs> That's from when you were the really annoying office co-worker of another guy named Victor. And every time you saw him, you'd be like, Victorino, making <clears throat> coffee. <laughs> I totally forgot about that internship. <laughs> oh, you were fuck. there for years. I was there for so I literally blacked out. Yeah. Um, Corby and his clan needs to start paying people, I think. I am like, you have the money of the generational wealth. Mm-hmm. Like, start paying your interns. I left, and I left for... I left for... Um, mm, I guess he's also a Corvinus. I was going to say for Michael Sheen. (laughs) (laughs) I remember. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I remember because you sent the the resignation letter to us to proofread. And it was like, I thought it was really well put. That bit about, no, they're nothing more than just mindless beasts. was (laughs) 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 Well, I just think like, you know, the. Our, our country is having this bigger conversation about labor and like, oh, no one wants to work anymore. Um, and, you know, what what are we willing to like go to the office and risk things for? And I just think like, you know, experience, exposure and protection from werewolves is not enough. It's not for, enough for you to get your foot into the professional world. You know, it's, just, yeah. it's, our parents had that and they had like literal like stories tall castle walls and like what do we have (laughs) and like when i got the job i have now i had to wait 60 days until my protection from werewolves kicked in oh my god because i work at i work at an at will employment castle (laughs) it's really fucked (laughs) yeah (laughs) every so often uh, a film comes alive. <laughs> I am so mad. I'm so pissed. I, we'll talk. I, I think I watched this movie. It was it was ru- hurried, rushed circumstances, but I think I watched it like in the absolute perfect context. I I, I wanted to watch it right before this record but i woke up like a little too late and so i was like kind of hung over like frantically navigating to amazon starting the movie and in like a friend's spare room because i'm traveling right now like trying to get all my cords together over me and just like brain operating at 75 percent capacity like i'm taking reverse limitless pills and god damn this was this was such a perfect accompaniment to like all that feeling. I mm. I had such a good time with this movie. I really liked it. <laughs> Becky's so mad. We can't we can't ever agree on an underworld. We just gave Becky a headache. Why don't you like when I like it? 
have a state. It's like either way, I'm like so chill. No, <laughs> I don't feel safe loving Underworld Three. This isn't oh. a safe space for me to. <laughs> oh, that's sad. <laughs> Like, 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 passive aggressive right wing college teacher Becky Granger. (laughs) Oh, you didn't, didn't, didn't feel safe with the assigned reading this week. No, it's not. That's what you thought this was. was. This isn't better help. Okay, this is a Zoom call to say our opinions. Okay. This is. Yesterday at dinner, I was talking about how the couple of times when I've been out with people and somebody says, no, I'll just watch you eat, like in a non-joking way, I've been so bone chilling and that's what you're giving me. I'll just watch you eat. No, go ahead. What do you think, PJ? Like, like I'm just not hungry. That's fine. It's fine. It's only 90 minutes. You you don't have to like 100 minutes. You can like just 90. I'm going to um, sep- yeah, I'm just going to lovingly separate my disdain for this film, but I needed to be in here somewhere to be truthful. Um yes. but you know, you y'all loving it is the choice you made and I love that for you, but I'm going to have to and we're going to have to talk about it, you know? <laughs> we have to talk about it. That's the idea when we made this thing. So I'm excited. <laughs> you you just you just woke up this morning and you were like, oh yeah, it's a movie podcast. <laughs> and they I was just like, get what do have... we do again? <laughs> yeah, we uh we beat a horse or something. We just we just beat we beat animals, but is it's just audio, so I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, we, uh. yeah, we we hit the horses with the microphone, so the audience gets to hear the whoosh and the impact and the. <laughs> when, when when it lands, uh, man, <laughs> shut up! I <laughs> I, I kind of liked Rise of the Lichens. No, no, no. I had. I don't want to. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't. You. No, I don't want to make you go from love to kind of like. <laughs> I'm happy for you. You should. You should feel the way you feel about it. How many times have I loved something that y'all hated too? You know. Uh, Underworld Rise of the Lichens is like a shitty boyfriend that you're trying really hard to be happy for me for getting engaged to. You're like, no, look, he's great. He's great. I I wouldn't marry him. (laughs) I wouldn't marry him. And look, his friends love the way he makes fun of you when we're out together. I love his friends. His first two friends. Yes. I taught me so much about the difference between Marvel and DC. I, he loves them. He really likes them. And I bet in seven years, you will too. Um, I thought this movie had cool werewolves and it was short and it had a story that was so simple that I could em- like emotionally latch onto it. And all of the, the shit around it is just fucking poppycock. And yeah. I can't imagine watching this movie without having seen the first two like oh it's, yeah it's outrageous it's unacceptable but i <laughs> i'm i'm so pro rise of the lichens i i watch this movie and the thing that leaps out to me is that this feels like a quintessential dead horse movie like yeah. this is this is a movie that i could really only like allow myself to like embrace and love and consume and digest because I 
am a fucking horse, and I watch pulpy third sequels in Screen Gems franchises from the early 2000s about, like, werewolf forced labor uprisings and secret romances and the fucking color blue. I love... I love this $35 million theatrically released straight-to-DVD movie, all right? <laughs> I love it. Paul Haslinger, best film composer who ever lived. <laughs> no, I can't go that far. I, it was fine. Dixon, what did you think? It's like this... I. It's impossible not to digest this movie. It's so simple. Like, it's... Mm-hmm. If you're, like... I feel like my... my my cat is like slowly becoming allergic to like just about every primary ingredient in uh in cat food like we can't get him chicken anymore and then like the fish wet food we were giving him is starting to make him puke so we're switching it out and i feel like this is like it's impo- it's like prescription cat food it's it's simply like for the most sensitive of tummies here's a nice saltine i and you know what? I was so I felt I felt like I was the lowest common denominator they were trying to reach, and I thank them for that. I had such a good fucking time with this movie. It's dealing with the most tired, beaten to death archetypes. <laughs> like every character is a variation on a character you have seen a million times before in far better movies in far longer movies i think this comes in at like uh 47 minutes and then it's half an hour of credits um it's i i don't know i really fucked with this movie um and i think a huge part of why is that they just kind of turned it over to the hams like everybody (laughs) i think i'm i made a couple cracks about everybody playing it at a seven in the original underworld movie here it's 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 all tens and (laughs) i don't know how they managed to sustain that without completely like fraying every single one of my nerve endings but every time bill nye chose a completely fucked up way to say a regular word i like (laughs) sat up in my bed and cheered (laughs) Oh. Um. <laughs> oh, no. I think I should be clear. I had fun watching this movie, like, for parts of it. Like, this is a part of a franchise I love, right? Mm-hmm. But out of the three we've watched, I knew you motherfuckers would love this one. And that's what's getting me, is because this one, to me, is, like, unbelievably weaker than and, and fa- just far less good than the first two, in my opinion. And I do you hate be- love stories. <laughs> do you do you hate? Yeah, I just when- don't like rom coms. So like this wasn't like that good for me. I'm just like kind of more. I like more philosophical like stuff than that. Like like Bridget Jones too. I'm a guy's girl. <laughs> okay. Um, I so there was there was stuff. The the thing about this movie that I do love is Michael Sheen is great. Michael Sheen oh, is mm-hmm. so talented. Um, he is our lead. He is the lead. Like in, we're hearing his origin story and how he basically allowed lichens to go from like a subservient species to an equal competitor to vampires, and it's amazing. And like that's fun. Um, the whole thing to me feels like a kind of like 
a, a bedtime story you t- you tell a young lichen, <laughs> and it's all super heightened. And you're tucking them in before bed, and you tell them what happened, and it's a little crazy, you know. A little maybe they're a little young to tell them this story, but you do. Um, but it's it was a little bit. It was really silly to me. The whole movie is mm-hmm. very silly, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I think honestly, who, what breaks my fucking heart is that Bill Nye blows it for me in this I movie. I can't really? believe that you're saying this to I me. cannot believe you're saying this to me. Bill Nye plays everything at a 10. The, what makes him so lovable in the first movie is his genuine vulnerability that he shows Celine. The softer mm. moments in contrast to his like sharp, erratic unforgiving nature and in this one he's just a fucking narc and a fucking cop Hmm. the entire time min like from the very first minute to the last there's no variety he's just pissed off the whole time and that's not his fault but let me be clear he does a great Mm -hmm. job with the material he's given and in my opinion he was given he was given the impossible job of being an obstacle every single scene every single time he speaks and Mm -hmm. i think that I love him to death, and that wasn't fair to him. So all he could do is play everything at a ten, and I it was boring. Um, yeah. So and I think that uh, yeah. So that that's my main qualm with it. Uh, aside from the story itself being silly and just not my favorite construction of it but Mm. so i don't want to say like i fucking hated this movie i liked watching it but i just don't think it's anywhere near as good as the first two that that makes perfect sense to me like especially if there 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 are a lot of reasons that it makes perfect sense to me to be more latched on to the especially the celine and michael story and and for that to be your way to branch out into um, the history of the werewolf vampire thing from modern day. But Mm -hmm. also, you know, those movies under Len Wiseman have, have this like extremely terse seriousness. It's still pulpy. It's still fun. It's still heightened and stylized. But like we, we talked a lot in the first two episodes about how there is this like, ultra commitment to like yes we are serious about this mythology and about these characters whereas this is the third underworld movie the underworld movie has become a fixed kind of programming for for screen gems we should say you know the first underworld came out in september 03 but then after that um sony really marks off like late january as like underworld season um, which is not not usually where a studio puts like the movies they have the most faith in, mm. but by two thousand nine they're kind of like yeah we're gonna be in the blue underworld movie business for a little while, and you know they bring Bill Nye out to this franchise where like him being hammy vampire villain is like kind of the thing they're selling the movie on. I get why he is in a position of like. All right, I just got to sell this thing. I'm a really great actor, but I am villain vampire for this whole silly movie. I need to make this stuff pop. And so he sinks his gums Mm -hmm. into the scenery in a way that is lip smacking for me and Dixon and so fucking entertaining and makes this movie lively. 
But I also understand how, like, if you're very earnestly into, like, the the actual, like, stakes of the Underworld movies, I, I can get how this would feel like it, like it undermines it. But mm-hmm. the, yeah. the last thing I want to say... Um, because Becky, you, you made an insight about this movie and, and kind of the, the tone of it that I thought was so smart. You were describing it as a bedtime story, um, that you would tell to a little lichen boy and that that's where kind of the heightened element of it comes from. Um, I thought that was so well put, but, um, one of the reasons it stood out to me was there was a comparison to this movie that leaped out to me. I wanted to know if this resonated with the two of you. This movie comes out at the beginning of 2009, um, which is a very weird, interesting year for film because you're getting all of these, like, these autori genre movies that seemed like they wouldn't have gotten made, but I've, I've heard arguments that, like, the writer's strike kind of accelerated that, so a lot of stuff that, like, might not have gotten made before is... A lot of interesting shit comes out in 2009. That's the year of, like... Where the Wild Things Are, Coraline, Watchmen, mm. um, uh, Knowing from Alexander Proyas, Drag Me mm. to... Cool year. Cool year, I think. Right, right. Um, a movie that has come out two years prior to this is 300. Uh. Um, yeah. Just long enough <laughs> that I could have sworn it really felt like Patrick Totopoulos, the director of this movie, was like... All right, I'm a first-time director. I'm learning about other movies that I kind of want to learn from. This movie stinks of 300. Was anyone else getting that from from like the training the little boy in combat to the sex scene that's edited like a teaser trailer where it keeps fading in and out from black, like some of the color so grading. Much. This felt like 3 Am I, I'm sorry, am I imagining that? No, that's a great comparison. I will Mm -hmm. say that the sex scene, I'm pretty sure in Evolution also did that black fade in, fade out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I totally (laughs) see what you're talking about, this like hyper-theatrical, like almost unmovie, like weird trailer energy. Um, Yes, I totally see that. And, And the ultra- so fast did it even happen action sequences where you really can't see what's going on and i don't know if that's a budget thing but like all the action stuff moved so 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 incredibly quickly that i it felt to me like when i was trying to when i was in this like short film dixon and i were in and we had to like shoot arrows and stuff and they would cut away so fast so that you never knew like (laughs) like how it happened because we didn't have anyone to throw them at um i don't know if it was like that but I, I, I think that's a really great comparison, Peach. I think that the energy of it was kind of like a, like the Wegmans brand 300. <laughs> like, it just... So, like, better and with a cool little train <gasps> in the right, store? not Wegmans. <laughs> I love Wegmans, too. That was a terrible suggestion on my part. Um... <laughs> Okay, and I and I also want to say I am not more attached to the Selena Michael story, their love story is so lame. Right, right, right. But mm. I like the discovery that they're making together more. Mm. I think the love story between Sonia and uh, Lucian is much greater. However, I think mm-hmm. those two actors don't have that much chemistry. Oh, I I really disagree there. I bought. I bought they that were, a they lot. They were selling more. it, yeah. But I just don't see it. I that's really interesting. Um, 
And I mean that in the most passive aggressive to- way possible. <laughs> and it's it really hurts. interesting. <laughs> <laughs> wow, no, no, interesting. But, but that's so weird that you can just watch it and you can have like a right and a wrong way of interpreting it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but like I really I I think that um the the Selena Michael stuff always struck me as like somewhat arbitrary like in terms of their romance like I mean I guess it made sense because they're both hot and cool and you know have like I guess similar end games or or, or you know lack thereof but I for me I bought the uh Lucian Sonia story a lot more um like they have uh, such a theatrical way of acting like they hate one another in front of like the Lord vampires. And I thought that lended itself in a really compelling way when they were together and being like little sweethearts because they make such a big old show out of like, you're nothing but a beast whenever they're in front of um, Bill Nye, who's been uh, made up to look like one of those colorized civil war photos, you know, I shouldn't look like that. That's like an absolute fact. He is walking around like that. (laughs) But I I, I wanted, um, I know this is a a while back, but I wanted specifically to talk about um, why I'm really into Bill Nye's performance. Um, Recently, uh, I've been playing, I've been playing the video game God of War, and the actor Jeremy Davies plays the main antagonist, and he's doing the absolute wildest shit, like, talking like no person ever would, um, his motivations are, like, pretty unclear, and I'm not sure what he's trying to sell, but he's selling it, and so I was looking him up, and he has, on his website, jeremydavies.com, he's also a wonderful actor actor in Lost, he plays uh, Faraday, um, he's, he's in Justified, he's great in that, he's just all around an actor I really like, and he has on his website this fucking PDF, this, like, Unabomber manifesto of stuff he likes and thinks is cool, and, uh, something he said that's really been sticking with me was he talks about why he loves Milos Forman, the director, and, um... He says, uh, I've got it pulled up. One of the many reasons why Milos was one of the greats to me is the fact that he describes his work with actors as a search to capture as many unrepeatable moments as possible on camera, which I took to mean unexpected, jazz-strong, quicksilver improvisational, in-the-moment, unforgettable moments that no actor can repeat like a Xerox machine and no writer can adequately describe in a screenplay. And, like... Oh, wow. I... I know that we're not talking about a Milos Forman movie. <laughs> like, I know we're not talking about Amadeus. <laughs> but, like, that really did... I, I think... I watched the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre last night. And I watched <coughs> so many actors struggle. So many talented, compelling performers have a terrible time with the silliest dialogue you've ever heard like every time somebody opened their mouth you could see all of the fucking like tish or new school or like every technique they were trying to imbue this with fucking something yeah and trying to play it as like real this is happening to me this is awful and it just fell completely flat on its face and it's not their fault and in contrast watching bill nye just take this set of circumstances and also work very hard but in a way that is so completely 
untethered from reality and human behavior and any mm-hmm. recognizable context is like was fucking hypnotizing. Like yeah. I I yeah. really love when someone is asked to do something um so asinine. Like like you were saying Becky, I fully agree that he was he had nothing to do but be an obstacle, but he didn't seem to take attack as a performer of really trying to imbue it with with anything other than i am going to fuck around like i am going to just go like full ape shit beast mode and let's see what happens it felt really like joyous like it really felt like he was having fun as opposed to he was really really trying to make something out of this that that could not be made it it felt like he took this nugget of iron and made a sculpture as opposed to trying to build a deck out of it, you know? I totally know. And I love everything that you said. I think yeah. that that's a really, really good description of what we witnessed. Um, he is an ultra-talented performer, and I think I'm almost taking him for granted, you know, in my feelings about him, because you're right, when you watch any other movie with also incredibly high stakes, like a la Texas Chainsaw Massacre or whatever, you see everyone, you see everyone's work. You don't see his work. And that is something mm-hmm. you have to respect and like tip your hat to. I really mm-hmm. don't take umbrage with him. I really take umbrage with the writing. I think what made totally. me fall in love with Victor so much, he was my favorite character, I think, in the first movie, is... Well, yes, he he's supposed to be right at first because you trust him in in uh, Underworld. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I just wish they had given him one moment of vulnerability or like whatever. Softness. Yeah. yeah, softness because it's just it's unfair to him as the actor to have to maintain that. Like, and he does a marvelous job of mixing it up and making it fun. But inevitably, when you're that upset constantly because your daughter (laughs) wants to go party you're you're going to start to sound the same in every scene and that's not Mm -hmm. his fault Mm -hmm. that's totally fair i will say that when he bit and we should do a summary (laughs) when he bit um sonia's neck finally to like get the truth that reaction was so good when he mm-hmm. bit her neck and he um, we were in the group chat peach sent like the way that he said animal you're like you fell in love with that him. was dixon credit yeah. oh, oh, okay sorry um it was so specific and weird and perfect and in that moment i was like damn he really loved like these circumstances are real to bill knight and i love <laughs> him for that but um yeah i think we i think we just i think we do agree on a lot about him Mm. i just think it's like was i in the headspace he's sexy (laughs) um he's he is a delf (laughs) boy that coat is long (laughs) that sure is him in all the fight scenes (laughs) okay but like I mean, we can come back to this, but I was I was surprised at the amount of the fight scenes with Bill Nye were him. Like, like yeah. quite a few of them kind of sold me on it. Like, they've they've just got these two like Shakespearean like great actors 
committing the fuck to uh, Vampire versus Werewolf Gang Fight Blue Filter 3, Rise of the Lichens, and all, all this stuff that could feel silly, um, they're, they're just giving this, like, this crackling intensity to. I... Yeah. Their, their fight scenes together were actually some of the only fights that I was, like, really, really getting in on. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Um, well, you're right, Becky. We should uh, give a plot summary. We should also introduce this podcast. Hi, welcome, oh, to, yeah. welcome to Dead Horse, a podcast about um, the... Uh, I used to have this written down, but now I'm traveling. The uh, under-discussed, underseen, rightfully forgotten, uh, just all-around... We're talking Rise of the Lichens today. We're, we're, we're talking, talking overextended, low art. High art, low art, all of it. I, can't, I got through like a 10 minute synopsis of like why I admire Bill Nye as a performer and in this movie and then the second I was asked to describe the thing I've been doing for a year I fucking shut down like a Mac that's been away from a, its plug for too long <laughs> Just, <laughs> <ooh>. <laughs> running a little low on battery uh. they um, know they know if they're you know if they're if they're on light if they're on Rise of the Lichens they must know if somebody if started with this episode, episode <laughs> then you know what Br- like fucking bravery <laughs> <laughs> totally i mean what is what is the thing that that stanley always used to say is is number one i love fucking jack kirby's wife and number two i every comic book is someone's first comic book Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. This could totally be someone's first episode. All those Rise of the Lycan heads out there were like, when is a podcast going to cover the best Underworld movie in the whole series, the third one? <laughs> and they and they started with this. And then they're going to move to their second favorite movie, Spy Kids 4D, all the time in the world. <laughs> and the third thing he always said was, Mr. Feige, can you please take the bars off this window? <laughs> <laughs> You know, there's that um, there's that that great that great quote from his cameo in a uh, Spider-Man: Far From Home, uh, where he uh, he goes, "Where's Margie?" Uh, love that, love that scene. <laughs> All right, sorry. God, sorry. Uh, I'm willing to sacrifice myself to the summary. Yes. Godspeed. Sorry. No, please. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> So we're we're in Rise of the Lichens. We're we're telling the story that is it's the prequel to Underworld. We are learning about how Lichens came to be. So as we know from Underworld Evolution, we have there were two brothers. It was uh, William and Marcus. Marcus bit by bat. William bit by wolf. William is freaking crazy. He can't be controlled. He werewolf all the time, right? And he is, like, going super crazy. So there's, like, a bunch of, like, just werewolves. They can't transform back into humans. So vampires are trying to, like, slay them, kill them. They um, are, you know, have some of them locked up and stuff. But one of the werewolves 
um, actually gives birth to a baby boy, which is such a funny image. It's just like this like ravenous, enormous werewolf with just like a, a little baby boy in this a like, little baby little, Michael Sheen. Yeah, baby Michael Sheen in this like like disgusting dungeon, just like just like so sweet. Anyway, so we see Michael Sheen, who Victor, the the head of the the coven at the time, cannot bring himself to kill Lucian, the baby. Um, as we know, Lucian in Underworld, the original movie, is the one who was trying to link the bloodlines of vampire and lichen to create the new race to end the war. So, this is his story. So, we see Lucian, he's raised from a young age, he's sort of Victor's pet, he's absolutely treated less than, he's almost a slave, he has a collar around his, he's learned, he learns up in really intense combat, um, he has a collar around his neck that has spikes that face his like that spate that face his neck so if he does transform into a werewolf it would kill him so it stops him from like going into his natural form so um throughout his life he's victor's pet come to find out he is fucking sonia sonia is victor's daughter and um they act like they hate each other she's you know she's vampire princess so like that can't happen but they'd be fucking on the low so come to find out um basically she gets in a lot of trouble one night because she is like really adventurous and she really wants to like help the coven with their business and help these nobles get there she gets into a lot of trouble because there's way too many real werewolves out there so um lucian goes to try to save her and he has to take off his he makes he hand makes a key and tries to take off the the necklace so that he can turn into a really big werewolf and like scare off all the other werewolves He's like, I don't know, like the head honcho werewolf for whatever reason. And then Victor is like, yo, you betrayed me. Like you're, you're going into dog form. Like you're a little, you're a little bitch. So then he gets into so much trouble. And then Sonia also gets into trouble. All right, I'm halfway there. Okay. And then, um, come to find out Sonia's pregnant with, the bait with uh lucian's baby and uh victor ends up finding out that she's betrayed him and because he bites her and he sees it all and then in the meantime lucian is sort of like realizing he's treated like he's such a shitty life and he wants to leave but he has to rescue all the other lichens and werewolves that they have in captivity so he sort of creates this like revolution and then victor kills sonia and like makes lucian watch and then lucian goes back to kill victor am i am i here am i alive yeah, that's happened. Then, I, and, yeah. And, and then that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Should it Directed be... Directed by Patrick Tatopoulos. Yeah, 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 should say that. What were you going to say? No, I was just going to say, like, it's just so hard to give a vague summary of these. Yeah. Because yeah. so there are so many little pieces, like, you really can't zoom out. I guess I could have said... It's a love story. He impregnates Sonia, and then they have a war because of that. But then yeah. there's just so many things you wouldn't understand. But anyway, mm-hmm. so I appreciate everybody sitting through that. Um, I think that was beautifully done. I, thank I you. think these movies are incredibly fucking hard to summarize because definitely exactly the thing that you're talking about. Like every even like the the simplest dramatic things 
like rest on a bedrock of someone leaning over to you in a movie theater going all right well the thing you need to know is that yes. 800 years ago yeah. there was one werewolf who had a human baby child yes. so you know how some people are born with their earlobes loose and attached sometimes <laughs> werewolves have a child that's just a human baby now 300 years after that and meanwhile, you're watching, like, the dumbest, like, chase scene you've ever seen. It's so you, dumb. It's you so have silly. to explain all of those things to be like, okay, well, the reason you're hearing electric guitars and techno beats 800 <laughs> years ago. You know what I mean? Like, Also, but I think, oh, oh, sorry, sorry. I just wanted mm-hmm. to mention, also, it's really important that you know that Lucian is the first one who can transform back into a human. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that's what makes that, and this is what I found really hard to understand when I had to like sort of rewatch it. That's what makes a lichen different than a werewolf. A lichen can go back into human form, back and forth, and werewolves are the ones who just stay dog. Sorry, Peach, what were you going to say? You know you know why that, like, like pushes a very bad button in me? Werewolf means man-wolf. Yeah, no, it's, mm. you know, Werewolf they... means... Kevin just be making stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kevin. Kevin's, Kevin's back. back. Kevin, Kevin's back, baby. Kevin is back, and he is voguing. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin is he just is. looking into the camera for too long. <laughs> I think mm. as... As the series goes on, I'm also more, um, I'm more down with it the longer it kind of sticks by its people. Like, yeah. they yeah, really, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I they absolutely did not have to do, I mean, th- this whole movie, they did not have to do this film at all, <laughs> nor did they have to bring back, you know, Michael Sheen and Bill Knight. Like, they didn't have to, like, really stick by their people. Kevin Grievous, like... I I am so surprised that like a, a studio in Hollywood seemed to like take his vision and like keep him on board and yeah. involved for as as long as they did like for a for an industry that is so hostile to creators with singular vision it's it's you yeah. know I obviously don't know the whole story there I I can't imagine that he that this was all smooth and he never ran into any difficulties sure. but like sure, that sure. That he's like here and and having a great time hanging out with Michael Sheen is I, to me evidence yeah. of of you know some kind of good good feeling. I don't know. It's it's a little it's a little cheering. I don't know. Something went right there. Yeah, the loyalty yeah. of it is really respectable and like just like the consistency of it. I love when people bring back characters like like that. And I may not have loved Kevin in it, but I love that he was in it. You know what I mean. <laughs> I like when he sharpened a knife. <laughs> he got an old time knife in the woods. I like he, when he, he looks at Lucian it. and is like really thinking about mm, Lucian. Yeah. <laughs> well, why wouldn't we? It's also, I really love like approaching like Michael Sheen. You know, in the first movie, he was like young and hot. And I think at this point, he started his sort of like, um, evolution into like a quirky character actor where i think is sort of mostly where not quirky that sounds condescending but like like a more he's he, i don't really think of him as an ingenue not um, at all and which is I thought, what's so yeah. interesting about this and yeah. it also like i don't this is a, a rabbit hole i could find myself getting like too far down and i'm not really qualified to talk about but like it did make me 
think of the shifting standards for just like male body image in movies like because he's like um i mean don't get me wrong he's, he's so hot in this though yeah yeah he he is but like and i think it's just like in comparison to like what one has to do as a male in a marvel movie now like yeah. it it seemed i don't know like I don't, I, I don't want to get too far down that rabbit hole more questions than answers and i'm not like really qualified to talk about it but it was just like yeah, fucking Michael Sheen, get him a, a little jacked, but like you know, he's still recognizable as a human being. You know. Yes, yeah. I'm really disappointed in myself that I didn't have like an inspirational feeling from the same observation. <laughs> like, it was, <laughs> like I it was kind of like I don't know, and it's not. It's he is the lichen who's trying to to meld the, the the bloodlines you know him fucking her off of a ledge like jesus is just a little bit hard for me to like take with you know what i mean like it's hard for me to take a spoonful of that like watching him fuck the, like one of the hottest women ever not mm. to say he couldn't bag her but it's it's done in a way like 300 so you're looking yeah. for the very archetypical, like, it's like, I don't know, I feel so shitty in, in saying this, but it's like, I feel like the, it should, when it's done so archetypically, I feel like it should match the actors that's in it. And he is a more, like, he is not your conventional hottie. He's not, he's not your Marvel lead. So no. it kind of takes me out of it when I see him with, like, long flowing hair, like, on the cover of a romance novel fucking in slow motion it just didn't mm -hmm. work for me and yeah, i think that's because yeah. i am toxic and i was <laughs> raised in like the early 2000s you know like that's when i grew up so mm -hmm. you know maybe i suck but i did have that <laughs> oh feeling. yeah oh yeah it, it also i mean just like the way <laughs> we've been uh like the the kind of way that uh most huge movies uh deal with like the the male body um and with regards to sexuality it's it's like that article that went around a while back everyone is beautiful and no one is fucking and mm -hmm. this like served as for me like kind of a nice dose of medicine to that where it's like you know this this man who is like recognizable as i keep saying recognizable i'm just, i know i, him. Know. <laughs> but I, <don't> <laughs> I know yeah, the fucking i do Hey, you're Michael Sheen. Uh, <laughs> hey. Don't like it is, Michael. You're in a couple Mikey. episodes of Dirty Rock. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it, it, it felt like there was attention paid to, like, to, to him as a romantic lead and to, like, sexuality as a whole. And even though it was incredibly silly, there is a so sex silly. scene that they have on the top of the cliff it's where Michael okay. Sheen mid coitus like bangles his top half off of it and makes like a whoa I'm on a roller coaster face <laughs> it's it that's when I was like no well they can't do that <laughs> like, <laughs> you can't do this and I mean love the rest of it like that's insane <laughs> well, we're I wired different because that's all it took for me <laughs> and honestly like I, I was I was texting Becky about this a little bit, but um, Dixon, this may have been something you're kind of abreast of, but ever since like um, a certain generation of like like internet like TV fandom sort of like 
like they them lesbians who write fanfic like adopted michael sheen ever mm-hmm. since he was in um he he and david tennant really popped on the good omens tv show and so now there's a lot of fan fiction about them getting each other pregnant and stuff like that mm-hmm. um and there was this sort of adoption of michael sheen as being like a, a different kind of like sex symbol for like legitimately for like for like they them lesbians looking at this guy and being like oh that's me oh that's my gender <laughs> mm-hmm. and i i did not get the sexy michael sheen thing right away i mean i've i've seen him in movies for a couple years like he's in i think the first time i'd ever really paid attention to him was i saw frost nixon when i was like 16 and he's 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 good in that kind of whatever movie who is um, he but He's um he's David Frost. Okay. He's yeah, he's the one who interviews Langella's bad Nixon impression. Um and, <laughs> uh, Craig Frost Nixon fan fiction. That's, uh, brings brings a whole new meaning to to Nixon's line, "We are going to make those motherfuckers choke." <laughs> it's the title of one of the the fanfics I mean, on the, the 03. The movie is already called Frost slash Nixon. Oh, there you go. <laughs> well, they, this one is Frost yeah. X Nixon. Um, <laughs> but where the where the fuck was I going with this? Oh yeah, I think he's sexy in this movie. Yeah, hmm. like this this maybe I'm just like I'm just a putty-brained like bi pan fucking freak that all it takes is for someone to have like a long hair wig and do three push ups for me to be like, oh wait, you're a sex symbol? Actually, you are I, I definitely like I I was into him in this a lot more than I was in in the first one. Mm-hmm. And it is really funny because like I I started also paying attention to Michael Sheen around the time that he becomes, like, the big bad of the Volturi vampire clan in the Twilight movies, Mm. where he really leans into, like, okay, no, I am in my camp fop era. Mm. That I I didn't expect to see him in, like, in fucking Zack Snyder Jesus mode in this movie, like, growling to other werewolves that they have to escape their chains. But, like, it, it took very little for me to be, like... Okay, yeah, I will I will watch this guy like fuck and growl his way through the remaining 70 minutes of this movie that started 5 minutes ago. <laughs> Did you know this movie is only 10 minutes longer than an extremely goofy movie? Just a thought. Who <laughs> knows that an extremely goofy movie is 75 minutes with, 79 minutes, sorry, Everyone. with credit. Sorry to all the extremely goofy movie heads out there. Bill Bill Nye just like this whole movie except that uh that Lucian is replaced by a rotoscoped goofy like in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> um I think the the 300 <laughs> comparison PJ, it's it's really apt and there's definitely a lot of crossover there. I think the that aesthetic um that that sort of like heightened color drained um like not necessarily a specific time so much it is as it is the idea of that time kind of vibe mm. works a little better i would argue with this with this archetypical story as opposed to 300s like framing everything in this sort of like almost sketch show suggestion of a specific time and place um, and dealing with like a forbidden love story, I think gets me 
a little rowdier as an audience member than those same things applied to um, Gerard Butler hollering, you know? Mm. Well, yeah. And I, I also think you were you were touching on the thing of like the the archetypal like nature of the story. Um, and and for one, I I don't know. I, I think it's it it could be like artistically defensible to like paint some actual human history through the lens of like how would one side of this war have told the story around a campfire hyperbolizing things that's all totally valid but i'm a little bit more comfortable seeing that applied to a story about werewolf gangs Mm -hmm. like honestly but i do think like part of my relationship with and I'm, i'm interested to see if this might be why Dixon, you and I had, like, an easier time latching onto this one than the first two, is that, like, the first two deal with so many ultra-specific, like, plot mechanics um, about the inner workings of this world that you have to possess an understanding of to get even the tiniest things, whereas the working pieces of this are two people are fucking the shit out of each other and like each other a lot, but they're not supposed to. Werewolf in in chains. Vampires, bad, holding them. Werewolf want to escape. And the two pieces of that are so simple. Yeah. Um, are so clear, are, are so easy to just figure out what is going on in a scene because of those things. Um, that even though the rest of this movie is fucking just complete horse pucky Mm -hmm. um that it has a beginning and end that make no sense unless you are the person who wrote the (laughs) the beginning this isn't a movie but all of the stuff in between the very prologue and the very epilogue all of that stuff is like has has such a very simple emotional clarity to it and it makes so so much sense because in Underworld and Underworld Evolution, this is the story you have to know for all of it to make sense. So it makes mm. sense that this is the digestible part. It's foundational. It stands on its own almost, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it makes so much sense. I appreciate about this series how, well, they're not always super logically consistent, but I appreciate the specificity that you do need to know mm. this story for the first movie to make sense. Like... I like that the world is mostly clear. I do have some issues. Like, so Victor, Michael Sheen so badassedly (laughs) (laughs) kills Victor at the end. Lucian kills Victor at the end in a way that he kind Why didn't that kill him? The death of vampires is never clear, and that's something about this that Mm. really irritates me. Lucian literally stabs him through the mouth into the back of the head and like fall like throws him down and he's like wrapped up in chains and then he escapes with Tannis the uh cartographer no the he he's scroll his scrolls um vampologist <laughs> yeah but i just am like that's a little frustrating because like i don't understand why victor didn't die there are so many vampire deaths that are very confusing to me yeah no i i fully agree there i don't think it's ever really been established in any of these movies like sometimes gun like sometimes sometimes not yeah 
like and and you see like vampires get wounds far less um seemingly fatal than the one victor receives and be down for the count but yeah no i i wish i kind of did wish there was like some sort of like line uh, victor had before he got locked up where he's like michael sheen should have done this or michael sheen didn't know i was wearing this amulet or something like that yeah and yeah, yeah i i like I, I think that would have been dumb, but it would have, like, at least put... Um, Inconsistent. Yeah, like, at least would have put some kind of a pin in it. That I, I felt that way, too, Becky. Because the way that Victor really dies is Celine slices his head in half, which is not that different from how he gets maimed in this one. Absolutely, anyway. just different half. Yeah, Maybe different half. Back. I don't know. I haven't seen Blood Wars. I haven't seen Awakening. Maybe that's what's know. being awakened. Y'all want to know something fucked up? Yeah. I mm-hmm. apparently have seen Underworld Blood Wars. What? I, I have Just? no memory whatsoever of watching this oh, film. Shit. Apparently, it, I did the same thing for all of them, I think. I think I've seen all of them and I remember none. So what does that say about this franchise? Why do I love it so much? Is it because it, it escapes my mind like instantly the second I'm done watching it? <laughs> you just remember the color blue. And I just remember like the color? blue and the, you know, latex. <laughs> I remember nothing about Underworld 1 and 2 for the same reasons. The stuff I do remember, I really like. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah maybe, maybe you know talk to you in three months you'll be like i fucking love that franchise but i don't remember (laughs) why (laughs) you said something i forget what comparison you were making but you made a reference to a romance novel and like that is sort of how all of this feels in varying capacity like this movie feels like a feature-length adaptation of the cover of a romance novel. Yeah. The second one felt like an adaptation of the actual contents, and the first one felt like an adaptation of the obsessively updated Wikipedia article of the author. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it. I mean, it can't help it. It just, it just, when you look at him, because when you look at the romance novel, you only see long hair and no shirt, right? Yeah, Fabio and, shit, And right? that's what the energy is. Like, I don't love long hair, no shirt. I respect long hair, no shirt on Michael Sheen. He's, he's doing it. I just, I don't like romance novel. I don't see, know. I spec'd hard in shirt, no hair. That was where I put all of my my <laughs> stats into. <laughs> I think, you know, there's something that I think there is something there. <laughs> I love long hair, no shirt. Yeah. I love it on anyone I see. You know who long hair, no shirt works fucking great on is Snuffle Up, I guess. <laughs> Please cut that. <laughs> cut that out of the episode. I'm not sure I'll have to. I think uh, you saying that will automatically corrupt the file. I think <laughs> you you like activated some sleeper agent like fucking key phrase that just turns off audacity. <laughs> I was just gonna say like I am sort of shocked at how much we covered in terms of how we feel about it because now I'm feeling like really like emotionally resolved. <laughs> Like, I'm feeling really emotionally resolved about so much about the film because I feel like we all sort of know where each other stand. And the story Mm. itself really is so simple. 
and yeah. there are problems with it, but it's so simple that I feel like like I processed this trauma. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not even trauma, but I just processed it, I guess. And like with I think with the exception of Bill Nye, for the most part, there's not really like any there's I, I feel like in the first two films there was like all sorts of like little stuff that stuck out in ways both bad and good like um weird blips in the uh, in the EKG that like felt like they needed some kind of addressing in order to move forward but this yeah. movie is really just kind of like a big mac you know it's not mm. i'm it doesn't i can't taste any of the individual ingredients it's just it <laughs> tastes like a big mac and i mean that in a positive way it's like a simple, a very, very simple story told very, very simply. And, you know, I could talk about Bill Nye till the cows come home, obviously. But, like, there's not a whole lot. There's no craven to this movie, you know? There's no one guy who it's like, what the, who fucking... Yeah. Some other guy told this guy what the movie was about kind of thing, you know? <laughs> I'm also... You know, oh, go, Pete, okay. go. No, you mm-hmm. go. I I think I read somewhere that like that Lucian not Lucian that Craven was supposed to have like a big role in this movie right. and then it ended up going to Tannis, um, which I, I I did I didn't think that I would be on the third movie being like where is Craven, <laughs> um, but but that's that's the nature of the kind of stuff we cover on this podcast. He's if anything like we were talking about what a great job they did of keeping like the underworld family together that like there is this core group of like i don't know the underworld cinematic universe of (laughs) of people that you'll see pop up continuously but i was like where is where is trent reznor but stupid where did he go um but you know something that i was i was thinking about with like 2009 which isn't a long time ago but kind of is is in a very short period of time like a lot of things about movies and and the way we go to see them and the way that they get made really did change. You know, in 2009, just so you remember, here were the comic book movies that came out in 2009. Watchmen and X-Men Origins Wolverine. And then that was it. Those things came out before, um, before like, May was up. Like, those things came out, and then it was just, like, genre pulp for the rest of the year if you were going to go see something i think transformers 2 comes out that summer i want to say but like it it really was this time where like a normal person would go on a date to a movie theater just to see what was playing hey let's go see a movie let's drive to the movie theater and see what's going to be playing when we get there you know, Watchmen might not be playing. Um, Coraline's not out yet, whatever. But, like, it's it's late January. We're hungover. We need to go see something. And, hey, it's January um, on a year divisible by three, which means <laughs> it's time it's time for a big blue Underworld movie. <laughs> and, and this kind of, like, pulpy, just whatever programming was, was just available sometimes. And I... I really worry that I get caught up with the they don't make them like they used to factor on on this podcast. And I I, I can't spoil the other movies we're doing, but I have plenty more of that to do for the rest of this season. But I 
I, I I just really appreciated like the Big Mac quality Dixon that that you're talking about. This is such an in and out, ninety minute, ultra serious like pulpy fucking thing. I'm 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 trying to remember if there's anything else um, that that I wanted to bring up. There's a really bad um, end credit song mm-hmm. uh, called "Steal My Romance" uh, that feels like. Oh, Steal My Romance by Ghost on the Radio. Mm-hmm. It was made to be put in AMVs. Um, did anyone feel anything weird about the pacing with this movie just a little bit? Like, maybe this is why Sony was able to get this thing into 90 minutes and just crap it out into as many screenings per day as possible that they cut out a lot of stuff but like it was quick i i had this feeling in the the first half of this movie that it felt like one long unending prologue yeah yeah that's kind of how i feel about it which is why i was gonna ask this question to the both of you Which is, because it has such a prequel energy, mm-hmm. how do you think this franchise would have fared if they released this first? <laughs> I, that's a great question. And, like, I don't... This is why I think this movie is not as good as the first two. <laughs> because I feel like if this was released first, this is my opinion. I, and mm. I'll, sorry, I'll let you marinate, Dix. I just mm. feel like it's interesting and thorough that we went through this story, that we saw the the roots of the the story that we are following. But I just feel like as a standalone movie, it is so simple that you only Mm. would watch it for context and i wouldn't want to know more from this world like it feels very much to me like a prequel and i wouldn't if it started out with this movie i wouldn't be super curious about you know the rest how how these two species you know went on i think i think that if if this was released first and the intention was we are going to jump forward in time and do more movies that this would be dead in the water but i think that if this movie was first and only you know with with no trying to divorce yourself of the knowledge of the previous two movies like if this if they just presented this world I certainly wouldn't expect it to go in the direction of the first two movies, but I think I would still, I I would still like it. Would it be Mm. better received or turn into a franchise? I don't think so, but also I think that part of the reason it did was because the first two, the first one in particular, was so mired in turn of the century aesthetics and like really kind of gave the people what they wanted uh, or what they perceived the people as wanting. Whereas this one, because I feel like it's so deep in the paint and like has a built in audience, it seems a little freer to kind of do what it wants. So I think that it probably would have failed in the 
in that time and right. as a franchise starter. But I think were I to just come across it, I would still feel the same sort of like, that was fun, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Because it really, you know, it, it really spends a lot of time shading in um, something that is not particularly complex in the slightest. So as kind of a get in the theater, get out, and the when you leave the theater, the angle of the sun hasn't changed that much kind of a thing to do in late January in 2000 and whatever, I, I think I would be like, you know what? Yeah, that was a good time. That was silly. Yeah, I I, I think I, I stand by th- this as its own thing. I think it would be... I think it's a little hard for me to imagine just because the first two films are so dense, so it's hard to divorce this from that context. But in my straining to imagine this situation, I I think there's enough meat on the bone here that I would, uh, you know, pat my belly when I was done and go, mmm. I think I I love that. Except for the last thing you said. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I, I love that so much. Um, I I feel differently, and I think it's because what I love about the Underworld series is the expansiveness of this culture. Mm-hmm. I love that it reaches centuries. I love that we there's so much history in the first monologue that Celine gives in the first movie. I think mm-hmm. I think that's literally why I love it is just like the the dive into the culture. So I think yeah. this ultra specific movie about this ultra specific situation would not be and I don't think I would even be interested in it in the slightest. Yeah. And I think I would totally not like this movie were it not for the context it's giving me which is really interesting for me to realize right now Mm -hmm. um because like i'm not a big fantasy i'm not a huge fantasy person so nor am i an enormous sci-fi person i would say more i would be more sci-fi than fantasy so Mm -hmm. watching this i would be like oh i'll skip this (laughs) yeah (laughs) like i'll absolutely skip this um so i just think it's so it's really interesting to think about in mm-hmm. this standalone, you know? And I do, yeah, yeah I, I fully, I see where you're coming from. And I do think part of my uh, affection for it is a little bit, like you were saying, PJ, kind of rooted in they don't make them like they used to anymore. Because, you know, like a $35 million uh, sword and vampire and werewolf yes, curio exactly. uh, whose main who's like above the title star is like the guy who at this point is most famous for being like fourth build in the pirates of the caribbean franchise you know it's a really <laughs> really specific time yeah, and place it and really i think is. i i think part of why i like this so much is that i wish i just paid a little bit more attention to pop culture when I was alive in 2009 and like kind of soaked it in a bit more because there was just all sorts of like fun, weird little bits of bullshit just kind of flying around that 
aren't mm-hmm. flying around anymore for better and worse. And yeah, yeah, yeah I think I, I definitely like wish I'd paid more attention to pop culture when I was in high school. I definitely wish I'd been learning more about movies uh, and just paying more attention to those uh, instead of like all the other stuff that I was. Pa- wish I was I'd spent a little busy. less attention on like sports and fucking and like socialization and like brushing my teeth. I think I spent like too much time on on those. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you you I, you like went apeshit with the mouthwash. You were saying, so you were, I was like, PJ, totally. relax. Your breath is too good. <laughs> you don't know enough about who did the score for Drag Me to Hell. It's like, get with the pace. What are you gonna talk about at parties, bitch? Um, I wanna. <laughs> why, why did multiple people fuck me? Okay, so I. First of all, I just want to say, um, I, Dixon, I, I think you, you put that really beautifully and mm-hmm. more than once on this podcast. I'm so sorry. I'm going to be really fucking gay for a second. More than once on this podcast, I've been like, I love Dixon. Dixon <laughs> should be on a podcast about movies. <laughs> you, you, you have, you have a, an extremely comforting voice, and I love the way you talk about art. It's so soft. I, it's so nice. And it's so continuous. And then it's done, and you agree. <laughs> this, this motherfucker will be like uh, a synecdoche for the quality of this movie, and I'll be like, I love you. <laughs> This motherfucker said synecdoche. Um, no, I think... Um, this motherfucker said synecdoche. Get him! <laughs> this motherfucker! Um, no, I think you were you were kind of pointing something out about the swords and vampires period piece curio quality of this, which is, like, super not lost on me. Like, the, the thing I keep... I'm almost worried I'm being patronizing towards these movies because I keep being, like... I don't know that I love them. I don't know that I'm going to watch them again. I don't know that I'm, like, invested in these movies in the way that I can get invested in plenty other movies we do on, like, an emotional level. But I am pro the Underworld movies as, like, curios, in part because, like, every single movie in this franchise is is like kind of dull and kind of flat when you when you're actually like sitting there in front of your flat screen watching it being like i'm not texting or on twitter i'm watching the movie this is a smart movie podcast i'm pretty distracted what do you think i am i'm like a serious movie podcaster i it's really flat to watch in the moment but when you describe what's going on in these movies on a podcast yeah or like to a friend of yours when you're telling them it sounds fucking fascinating Mm. it sounds so cool it sounds so interesting i mean no no wonder kevin grievio grievous was able to be in background work talking to a guy in the prop department being like so I've, i've got these movies about a thousand year history of dueling werewolf and vampire clans yeah, if I were the guy in the prop department who was, like, getting ready to do music videos one day, I would totally be like, let me spend the next fucking ten years of my life getting your weird idea made. I And we've barely even talked about Patrick Totopoulos, the, like, very good creature specialist, makeup effects artist, and production designer who directed this movie. Um, because I feel like there should be stuff about this movie that's weirder than it is, but he does, like, a... 
a, a totally competent and actually pretty like visually legible job with this movie it just it just goes down easy this movie wants to be on fx at sunday <laughs> at 2 p.m and it's good at doing it mm-hmm. so just glad i could talk for 20 minutes uninterrupted about <clears throat> about that I... I know everyone's worried like pj doesn't talk enough so. <laughs> <laughs> i have a few that brought up a few things um firstly this director was the costume designer on the last two no was that production designer to... on production two designer. werewolf and makeup designer on the first two completely different sorry okay so the werewolves i think looked better except for yeah. lucian looked a little silly but the werewolves overall looked better, which was, mm-hmm. that was really fun. That was like, I thought the transformations were better. I also mm. watched this with yes. Wendy and Wendy said, good, they learned to stop showing the entire transformation, <laughs> <laughs> which was like, yeah, that's true. Um, I I don't want to be a dick, but I don't think this movie <laughs> is as well directed as the last two. I know this was I would agree with his that. first, you know, time, but I just feel like, a lot of the and i'm trying to remember specifics and i'm having a lot of trouble i watched it a few days ago but there were a lot of things that i felt like were too long too many shots of too many people Mm. like there were a lot of shots of like rays looking at lucian for too long or just there were just too many and i already got it we can move on stuff like that like little like little things that could be avoided Mm. um but Okay, so my larger realization about this movie is that I was really excited about it because we're getting Bill Nye back, because we get a movie with Lucian who died way too early in the first movie. I was so excited because I thought that those two characters were like, you know, such titans of their species and like great actors. Yeah, yeah. And I think what I realize is I'm disappointed in this film because they the writing they went at each other so directly so erratic and it was such an action film when these two actors are so capable and complicated bill nye could have slaughtered this if they allowed him to recline with power rather than attack everything with a finger pointed Mm. and it could have been an intellectual warfare along with being this like very literal one and I feel like it was much more, it was it was not understated. It was very over the top. Every interaction was like this really like, this fight full of vitriol when it could have been this really smooth sort of like, smooth, unworried villain. But mm. Bill was worried the whole time. And that I think took away power from him. Mm. So... You know, I was looking a little bit for like a, some 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 lector energy, but I was left with like a lot of like honestly like just narc energy, and that's not Bill's fault. But mm. I was really excited for like a Lucian Victor face off, and I think what we got instead was a war, and it's a movie about a war. I respect that, but I was just yeah, I think I'm saying the same thing over. I uh, I think I just. Uh... I, I think I agree with, with what you're saying in that I believe that would be interesting. But I feel – but I think I just, like, wholeheartedly, like, disagree because I think that um, uh, that Bill Nye's sort of, like, edgy, like, um, wide-eyed, like, angry, pointed demeanor 
helps position the vampire's um, power and sense of their own power as very on the decline and as something that could be easily usurped. Like, it did... The the edginess of his character had like a bit of a of a history and a bit of like they can't I cannot show how fucked we are kind of a vibe. There's a a bit in the middle of the movie where it introduces like humans who are like paying tribute to the vampires in order to stay safe, yes. which is a really, really interesting, interesting idea. And I yeah, kind of that was fun. I like and I kind of liked how how backseated it was. Um, it's just something, a rippling undercurrent under all of the vampire and things. And like he, somebody, you know, when somebody stands up and questions him, it sounds like something that's been brewing for a minute. And then when he like flips out and immediately kills the guy, it felt like it got across the vibe of like, oh, this guy like is fucked and he knows it. And he's like really overcompensating his sort of uh, aggressiveness to you know try to keep people down i i think i i agree that what you were hoping for and and were thinking um is also compelling and i think would have been a great use of bill nye because he also plays that kind of evil super duper well um and i think he does that a little more in the first movie and mm-hmm. like, especially paired with the the physical oddness and beauty of like the vampire yes. makeup and stuff he was wearing, which I did kind of miss. Yeah. I uh, we don't have any cool monsters in this one. I think that is kind of my my biggest knock against it is that like the the there was no unique monster or threat. It was all a little bit. Uh, generalized um, werewolves and vampire stuff but I going back to what I was saying sorry um, but I I think that sort of like raggedness and anger in at a 10 like served the the story well I think that's a great point I then counter I would love some of what I said and then delve into that later in the movie when it's appropriate because I feel like he was pissed the whole time and I just can't see how that's a good choice personally yeah like if you saw the dam breaking with some of that stuff and he was yeah which is what made that human seem so compelling because you saw the dam break right and it's like i wish there was some of that within the lichen vampire intellectual warfare you know that makes i would like to see him usurped by him first being comfortable once Mm-hmm. I guess, but um, yeah, I think that's sort of the reason that this movie didn't land for me. But I, as always, I'm a fan. Love franchise. Love lichens. Love werewolves. Curious what happens next. Love, love Michael lichens. Sheen. What a hero. Mm. What a what an unsuspecting <laughs> hero. I don't think we talked enough about Sonya. I thought I thought that that actress did a great job. I um, did too. She oh, yeah. she was really solid and. Um, it's not okay that I care that her upper lip was distracting me. (laughs) (laughs) She's so hot. She's so hot. I gotta say it. She's really hot and her upper lip was distracting me because, you know, it was done. But, you know, she's fucking hot. So, there we go. I also... goddamn second. Is that right? Yeah, no, I wrote... Her name is Rona Mitra. Yeah. I think I okay so I read that she was the original model for 
Lara Croft in, oh. in the first video game. She was like a, a model that in England. That totally tracks. Mm. Yeah, she she looks like her. She's I I like her as an actor. I think this movie probably gives her like the the role that it puts her in is like a little thankless. I mean, Sonya is interesting when we when we get her. She has like she has things that she has to hide from the the vampire clan. Her relationship with um, with Lucian is, she's is kind brave. of interesting. She's, mm-hmm. she's brave. She likes to fight and protect, which is cool. Totally. Much um, like Celine. Much like Celine. A little. I'll say. I won't say one dimensional. I'll say two dimensional. That's on the page. That's not yeah. her fault. Yes. Um, the other thing you you do know by the nature of. All of the Underworld movies that we all watched so many times, just to get ready for this one because we were so excited, um, was that you know she's there to die. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, I mean, it's a Romeo and Juliet story. It's a forbidden love story. It's a tragedy. It's not going to work out well for everyone. But I was also like, it, it did kind of have the unfortunate effect of like, I'm I'm checking my watch and marking time until she gets turned into this guy's motivation. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it's a little unfortunate, but I it almost made me wish that like if there was going to be an underworld prequel, that it would be one where we got to know her a little bit better, got to know her relationship with uh with Victor a little better. But this isn't that kind of movie because we need to watch werewolves galloping. Yeah, we need we gotta watch them running a wide. Mm. I. Dixon, you were talking about the creatures in this movie. It, you you definitely don't get like a Marcus in this movie, just like an eye popping, beautiful monster design. Um, but you know, I I'm I'm a I'm a bitch for werewolves. I love werewolves. This movie did werewolves real good in in the close ups, in the practical, in the wides, in the digital. There's one fucking beautiful shot where Ray's is. The, the camera is, is tracking horizontally as Rays is, like, running past a bunch of, like, posts um, in the underground level of a castle. And they use the posts um, to hide a wipe effect. So right before he passes it, it's just Kevin Grievo live action. In between the next two, um, it's digital Kevin Grievous, sorry, Kevin Grievous turning into a werewolf and then after he passes the last one he's just like a full like digital werewolf and it looks it looks so good mm. it is one of the best quickest yeah, it does. like you were saying becky like werewolf transformations uh I, I i spun off onto 12 different tangents we were talking about sonia uh good actor uh small role cool good talk i was worried that wasn't gonna take long enough so <laughs> Well, I also think that um, part of the the reason I think that this movie is successful and how its position as a prequel helps it out is because, you know, we, we know, I mean, we know she's going to die, but because of that, we get to see something we weren't afforded in the first two movies, which is both sides of duplicity. Like, we, mm. when characters betray Celine... Um, we don't we don't really see that as much until it is revealed and then you know they talk about their evil plans but because we're with Celine um, we find out information only at the rate that she does for the most part like uh, right right and with this because we already have some stuff shaded in we watch as Sonia 
um, you know, acts like monstrous and looking down her nose at Lucian, who we know she's in love with. And I think that um, it, it gives that actor just fun. a little bit more something to chew on when she, you know, enters the castle and Lucian shot the werewolves that were chasing her. And she's like, why should I be thankful? He's just like one of them. And, you know, cut to them yeah. doing cliff sex. Um, it's it, like, I, I think it allows for a little bit more contrast. Totally. That's really well true. Put. I'm on fucking fire. I should be kind yeah, of hungover yeah. for all of these episodes. I'm killing these analyses. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I was just going to say, um, how do we feel about moving into rankings? Let's fucking do it. You mean you heard, you heard my take. <laughs> I don't know what that meant. I know your ranking. <laughs> you know me. You know what I'm uh, about. We know. You <laughs> but, yeah, I think um, so far, I believe, I believe so far that I've been improve- proven entirely correct in my initial completely wild guess. Maybe. No, I think maybe I put two down a little too far. Um, but I feel mostly vindicated. Um, just in life in general, everything's yeah. going great for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm so wealthy. Uh, <laughs> um, so I'm gonna put three at the top. I had a really great time with this, and then I'm gonna put two, and then I'm gonna do five, one, four. I've got a really bad feeling about four, and I cannot tell you why. I don't know. And that especially complicates things because I've apparently seen five, which I'm putting midway through my rankings and ranking it above a movie I remember watching. Uh, So I don't know um, about this, (laughs) but I I feel pretty confident now in saying three, two, one at the very least. Um, No, I'm sorry. Three, two. I'm going to take that again. I feel pretty confident in saying that this will be my favorite. Like, they'd really have to do something pretty wild for something to usurp uh, three as my top. And I had a good time with two. So that's second. And I'm going to say five, one, two after that. Three. No. Three, two, four. No. No. I was doing so good. Oh, my God. I felt like one of those big brain fucking Wojaks. I felt like that, like, 3D rendering of a guy sitting zen with a bunch of molecules around him, like Mr. Fucking Analysis. And now when tasked with saying five numbers in an order, I I can't fucking get it together. Well, they barely mean anything because they're like, we haven't even seen them. Like, I, I don't even know what they are. I'm going to say three, two, five, one, four. Nice. I hope I'm proven wrong. I hope four rules. And my uh, completely unfounded uh, ill feeling towards it is just that, you know? This is such a weird format. It is a weird format that we do this. Maybe we should think of a better closing bit. (laughs) I think I suggested this like five minutes before Spy Kids and we were like, all right, sure. That sounds great. (laughs) I just, I I love the idea of someone being like, yeah, Dead Horse is like an extremely like 
cerebral analytical film <laughs> podcast. And did you hear at the end of Underworld Rise of the Lichens that Dixon said uh, 35124? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Becky, what's your ranking? Because you've you've seen most of these, haven't you? Yeah. All of them? I think I have. I've definitely seen the last two. This is the one I didn't know if I've seen before, and I still don't remember. Um, So that says something. I think my ranking is going to be 2-1-5-4-3. Wow. You got high hopes for 4 and 5. Yeah. We'll just hire them three. (laughs) Not that much. I was about to say high might not be the right word. (laughs) Yeah, I, again, there were things I appreciate about this movie, but it's not. No. It's not. (laughs) It's not. I, I would love to open up, like, an issue of the Washington Post from January 2009 and in the in the arts and culture section, there's a review of Underworld Rise of the Lichens from Becky Granger. And the headline just says, Underworld Rise of the Lichens. It's not. <laughs> no punctuation. <laughs> and it's me, the- it's me, and I'm dressed as a realtor. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know why she had to do that for that. <laughs> You would murder a red pantsuit with your arms crossed. Thank you. And they do have to be crossed. If they were down, I'd look like a fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah, how would you uh, make clear that you're holding a clipboard? <laughs> um, Say the numbers, I, PJ. <laughs> I like realtor Becky uh, more than I like any Underworld movie. <laughs> That's not true. Um... Becky, my my rankings are real close to yours. Um, mine is um, two, one, five, three, four. I nice. really, I I'm fond of. I almost put this one first. I and I in fact, personally, I like this one more than Underworld One. But I respect Underworld One sure. more than I respect this movie. Yes, if that makes any sense. That's a um, lot. A lot to me. Oh yeah, Thank to be I, clear, I don't yeah. respect this film. <laughs> <laughs> we uh just an extremely mercenary kind of like a like networking friendliness with this movie. We've gotta hang out. <laughs> oh, we gotta hang We've out. Gotta I know hang I'm just out. I'm just Oof. so busy right now. It just you know, it's never a good time. Um I have a bad feeling about four. I can't put my finger on why. Is that the one we're doing next? Does four come after the number three? Yeah. <laughs> if you uh. listen to me, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Got a real tenuous relationship with the numbers one through five. <laughs> you have you have a tenuous relationship like uh like nine has with seven after getting eight and um all right well <laughs> thanks for <laughs> thanks for listening to dead horse <laughs> I I tensed up like I was uh, like like st- like I was Stevo approaching a beehive. Like, <laughs> <laughs> 
Dead Horse is Becky Granger, Dixon Cashwell, and PJ Audenzia. We'd like to thank Max Huffman for our podcast art, so go to maxhuffman.com and order his book, Cover Not Fun. Uh, if you're on Apple Podcasts, please rate us five stars. Uh, I edited the episode, um, and I, I think I think I did okay. I think I, I, think I did okay. This miniseries' theme song comes courtesy of Dixon Cashwell. Do you uh, do you like that they're do you like that these episodes are released on Wednesdays now? Oh you oh you don't oh you wanted them early Tuesday morning? Well okay so I wanted to be fucking born with a pussy. Not everyone gets what they want.